pledge allegiance to the band. It may perhaps discourage you, unless of your kidney, or infected with this vicious virus, that you'll be ordered to pay a fine of 75 pounds. I'll pay now, if you don't Just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder. These guys would have it. Welcome to Movies That Rock, a rock and roll journey through cinema. I'm your host, Josh Fitzgerald, and I'm so excited for the special episode I have today. I'm going to be talking about the 2003 documentary feature, End of the Century, The Story of the Ramones, which was directed by Michael Grimalia and Jim Fields. Well, with many thanks to my friend Nick Bambach for helping me to arrange this, I am extremely honored and privileged to have, as a special guest on the show today, one of the co-directors of the film, Mr. Jim Fields. Welcome to the show, Jim. How are you? Thank you. I haven't been uh, the subject of honor <laughs> and that kind of welcome <laughs> in ever. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I like to say it's a 2006 doc because the okay. 2003 version was the rough cut that we showed to get basically people on our side. Oh, but anyway. Just, Interesting. Yeah. So, so then the version that I watched, because I watched the one that's online on Vimeo. Um, yeah, that's, for anybody that's, that's the interested. final. Yeah. Okay, okay, that that's good to know because um, there wasn't a lot of information about that in out in the internet because every everything was like two thousand three, two thousand three, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I yeah, kind of yeah. was wondering if it was like um, kind of you know it's intentional release date right after you know the Rock and Hall of Fame induction, and then it was right around the time where a lot of them started to to pass away. So it seemed like there's a lot of Ramones stuff going on around that time. Yeah, I think Johnny died maybe September of 2004, if I've got that right. And then by the time we got everything done, probably the movie wasn't released until early 2006. I might be wrong. Just a little bit of background about you and your work and um, kind of like your history with making documentaries, things like that. I'd be interested in getting to know you a little more that way. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess, let me think. So I graduated from college in 86, not having any clue what I wanted to do. Um, <laughs> I was applying to medical schools and on a lark, I also applied to uh, NYU film grad school. Wow. Because that was always sort of a dream of mine to work in film. And I, I didn't expect to get in, but I did. So fork in the road, I decided no to medicine and um, went to uh, the grad school where I had a great time the first year, but I was kicked out after that first oh, year. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was fine with it because I couldn't afford it. It was yeah. really expensive. Yeah, NYU is um, intense. Very you have pricey. to pay for your own films. I mean... Oh, really? And, yeah, not to, I'm going to sound bitter, but... I. You know, my friends there who were wonderful were also very wealthy, you know, and so they <laughs> right, could make right. good productions. Yeah. Um, I just didn't have that kind of money, but that's yeah. not why I got kicked out. Mm. Um, but I can get back to that later. It's kind of funny. And <laughs> okay. then, um, yeah, so I fell into advertising. I needed a gig. And I was like, I don't know, doing um, 
editing. I learned how to edit at this ad agency. This is back when it was like on videotape and you had the controller, the Sony controller. And I was pretty good at it. Even in film school, I was just like good at editing. I wasn't really good at anything else. I just yeah. have a thing for it. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll do this. Although I really wanted to make a movie. I just didn't want to edit other people's stuff. Yeah. Um, got out of advertising. Uh, ended up in a really high-end advertising place back when that existed. Um, where I was doing like Coke commercials, mm. and mute, big budget music videos, et cetera. And it was kind of fun. Um, it was on Avid when Avid like 1.0 came out. <laughs> oh, I, this is also like after I worked with the After Effects folks before Adobe worked on it, uh, bought mm -hmm. it to like hone, hone what I needed. Anyway. Nice. Um, and as I was at this high-end commercial place, Michael Gramalia call, called me who he was working for their accountant. Now their accounting firm did all the celebrities and rock stars. You know, mm -hmm. I forget what it was called. And he was given the Ramones to deal with because they were so difficult. Um, <laughs> so he would just call me up with these stories. He, he was just like, you know, <laughs> okay, uh, Didi just came in with a knife and said, where's Ira? Because there's not going to be an Ira too long. Oh my God. And I would, you know, we, we'd laugh. And then just a bunch of other stories I can't remember. And then he kind of became close with Johnny. Lately. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. And, and Didi too, but mostly mm -hmm. Johnny. They were just simpatico. And he's like, hey, you know, they're breaking up. I was like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, what if we pitch them a film about them, you know, their career and them breaking up and all this stuff. And then we can roll in all these things that we now know about them, the, mm -hmm. the, the weird uh, terribly dysfunctional family aspect of, of it all, their relationships. I said, yeah, that sounds, that sounds fun. You know, I'm a huge Ramones fan and um, I've seen them, you know, many, many times. And, and, and so we raised just a, I think actually I just put it on a credit card. We went out and got, um, shot them on film at their last Stone Pony show in uh, Asbury Park. It was kind of their last among their last shows. Mm. Um, but I don't know, I, I'm not sure like how far from the last show, but pretty close. Mm. And we had a blast, you know, and they were great. I hadn't seen them in years and I thought this is gonna be pathetic. They're all <laughs> so old. I'm way older than they were when I said they were wow. old. And, um, <laughs> um, and they were fucking great, you know? He's also friends with CJ. He's a good guy. Oh, okay. Yep. So, okay, so we cut something, uh, Michael proposed it to Johnny, showed him the footage, and Johnny was interested. I went in and talked to Johnny with with um, with Michael. He seemed interested, skeptical but interested. He understood that we wanted to get below the skin and not do something superficial, something that would exist as a film that fans, you know, someone who isn't a fan could would want to watch. Then suddenly. He said no, and they're making a film about their breakup with their manager, I think. Was it Gary Kerfers or something? I don't know. So we were bummed. So we were like, okay, we're going to make another documentary. And we went <laughs> out for about three weeks uh, for uh, and dressed up as re, re, uh, Civil War reenactors. 
Oh, wow. In the biggest like <laughs> Gettysburg reenactment, it was like the, the 150th anniversary and it was like 10,000 actors. <laughs> and we were just, and they were all like, you know, we're like ethnic New York people among, mm. you know, it was weird. Uh, so we tried to do that to make ourselves feel better. Worked on that for a while. And honestly, it kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> but it was a, it was a fun adventure. Yeah. Then Michael, you know, the film came out. It's the, the Ramones. It's it was called like "We're Out of Here," and <laughs> it was terrible. And um, but you know, their logic is okay. We can count on fifty thousand sales from Ramones fans on anything. Mm. So that's what yeah. we're gonna. That's what we're looking to do. Make fifty thousand sales. Um, and we were heartbroken because we're like we wanted more people to see it. We wanted yeah. to be in film festivals, you know, we, right. we want it to be uh, all classy and stuff. And um, somehow Michael convinced Johnny to let us try again. And then that started another eight years, you know, traveling with, with ridiculous stories of traveling with them to some places and interviews and insanity. Um, I can't even begin to imagine <laughs> just from the little snapshot we get in the movie. I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see how they are. That's. Oh yeah. Almost, it was it's no just, exception for us. <laughs> right. It, that's why I was so fascinated when you made, when you said that, that he got so close to Johnny, I was like, wow, because he, he was the one member of the band that I feel like I would have been the most like at arm's length with. I think if I were to be in that situation, he just right. he came off as so incredibly prickly. <laughs> and, oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He was extremely difficult and pretty. Yeah. But he's each each one had, brings their thing to it. And I think Johnny kind of accurately said, like, I don't I'm not I'm not putting words in his mouth, but it's mm -hmm. it, it's something like I kind of know what we should do for mm -hmm. the Ramones in terms of like higher concepts or, or mm -hmm. more interesting things. Um, and I have to say, I think he was right because he let us do it. No, uh, also because <laughs> he was the only one who really understood where we come from. Tommy did too, who was lovely. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, he was a huge help. We were big fans of Tommy because he was seminal in creating the whole thing, look, mm -hmm. sound and all this stuff. So we kind of dealt mostly with Johnny and um, Tommy. That's like a yin and yang right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes oh yeah. yes um and Dee, but but you know not as a helper of the situation okay so tommy and johnny were kind of like artistic allies i won't say political gotcha. in terms of the politics of the whole thing there were a lot of politics <laughs> they sure. tried to stop us their management and I don't know who else tried to stop us a whole bunch of times. And I got wow. so angry in the early days of social media, I started complaining <laughs> and I called the person who was trying to stop us, Mr. X. <laughs> and Mr. X was, I don't, maybe their manager or somebody, I don't even remember, but he was like, a, you know, a real fucking prick. And he was just like <laughs> ruining our lives and like, saying bad shit about us anyway it wow. caused such a uh kerfuffle that i got in trouble and mm. mickey lee joey's brother you know started yelling at me over the phone i think it was or it was in person i don't remember 
because he thought everybody thought it, he was Mr. X because all the fans have a problem with him. Apparently, I didn't know. Really? No, I didn't know that. But hmm. so I felt like an idiot and an asshole. <laughs> and then to make it worse, the New York Times comes calling, and they're like, a reporter's like, "Hey, I want to do a story on this big blowout you're having with the Ramones in your movie." And we were like, um, yeah, that could be good for publicity. <laughs> we have to be very careful what we say because of the politics of the situation. Yeah. Uh, so this guy was writing a feature article about us uh, for their entertainment section. And I mean, it was long. And um, I had to like really, like I feel free now to talk. Like if I get sued, I don't, I, don't, I mean, <laughs> Right. whatever but but back then you know I was trying to protect our movie right and so we kind of felt the way that we had to be we, we kind of had to make ourselves look like the problem and look like idiots a little bit <laughs> so that they wouldn't feel they were the problem and at one point I was really candid with the reporter and I hadn't been I'm a journalist now but I wasn't a journalist mm. yet and He's like, well, I'm going to put all this stuff in there. And I was like, oh, my God. I said, <laughs> I, I hope you don't. He's like, well, it's all on the record. And I was like, all I'm asking is that you think about it because it probably will kill the film. But ultimately, yes, it's your decision because I didn't say it's off the record. Thankfully, he did right by me. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's the right thing. He didn't put in some of that vitriol that I <laughs> <laughs> No, this is just astonishing to me because it's just thinking, hearing that backstory and everything that they kind of put you through and still getting that amount of juice that you were able to get and, and, and dirt was, was you know, pretty a remarkable. Of, a lot of that credit goes to Michael um, mm. because he is the one that managed Johnny. Mm. Um, and he's probably the one that I, I would imagine, you know, seeing the footage that he would be the one that would probably you'd need to kind of keep the strongest thumb hold on as far as, you know, keeping him happy, making sure that, you know, checking in with him. Mm, he wasn't a problem. I mean, he's a problem personality wise, but right. no, no, <laughs> well, that's he, good. he, he started to get what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was starting to get it. Nobody. And Tommy was starting to get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joey was really ill and we just couldn't, yeah. he would just cancel all the time. So we weren't able to get him. Joey's friends became, inserted themselves. Um, and then they, it was pretty obvious they wanted to make their own film. And we were usurpers. You know, they, they were yeah. like, had been involved with Joey and the Ramones just as, acquaintances and having done some mm. projects with them like a music video or, or yeah. whatever and i think there was uh, a clash with us and them so we had this other force also against us and sometimes i think trying to make deliberately make us look bad mm. um and that was that was torture um i won't say his name but he knows who he is <laughs> and um, and uh, I really want to say his name. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we absolutely hated each other. Michael wow. kind of was, you know, was like, we have to deal with him. We have to have him mm -hmm. involved in some way. And um, 
I could barely, I could barely accept it, but <laughs> so, you know, I, we didn't make peace, but we, we navigated uh, through that. And then the next thing I remember is we, we hadn't gotten releases from him. Okay. We were all doing this on a total risk. Like they had, they had everything on us and that was part of our, like, we have no contract with you. You have us over a barrel legally. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is the skin in, our, in the game that we're, we're giving, right? And they, they exploited that. So the, the forces against us got really, really intense. And we came up with an idea of doing a rough cut because we wouldn't have time to polish it. And, to, mm-hmm. and we didn't have money to get clearances for the footage and the archival and the music. But we thought, well, maybe we can show a rough cut at Sundance. And then Sundance was like, we don't, they do now, but they were like, we, we don't do rough cuts. But Slamdance does. Slamdance is like the punk, um, <laughs> um, what do you call it? Yeah, it's like a, the, it happens at the same time as Sundance. Okay. There's a lot of cross crossover. I mean, it's a very one street town. Mm-hmm. And, but it's sort of like underground or rebel. Okay. I thought, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. That's appropriate. And then we submitted that through my sister-in-law's friends with those guys. So I don't know how, if that helped or whatever, but she mm-hmm. said, oh, send it to this person. So we did. And um, we got in and we had a screening. It was our first screen. This was 2003, 2004, 2003. And we, that's why Everyone's this is 2003. So we had the gotcha. first screening with all this illegal footage and music. <laughs> and people really liked it. And, and this director, Penelope Spheris, who did uh, the kind of the Western civilization, whatever it was, that, that punk. Oh, the rise and fall of Western right. civilization or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she comes up to me. She's like, how did you get the rights to all that stuff? I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I, we just worked at it. Like, I was like, obviously there's key numbers and codes on everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, nothing's clear, but I was just like, I didn't want it like cops to be called on me. So right, I was just right. like, no, no, it's, it's really easy. <laughs> and um, we had a great budget for this movie. <laughs> yeah. She's like, wow, that's amazing. You did that. I was like, oh, yeah. And then, um, then the second screening, it ends. And this guy comes up to Mike and Michael and me. And he's like, I don't know his name, but he's like, hey guys, this was fantastic. I'm a close friend of Johnny's. And I just, you know, it's great. And we're like, you're a close friend of Johnny's. Well, we told him the situation where Johnny's, I don't know if he knew he was ill yet. Anyway, Mm. everyone's against us. They don't want it to come out. Johnny's interested. He said, maybe if it gets good reviews, uh, then he'll push harder. He goes, okay, I'm coming up to your room. I'm calling him right now. So we went up to our, our hotel room and he's on the phone with Johnny saying how great this was and all this stuff. And I, I don't remember what he said, but it was encouraging. And the next day we got really good reviews and like Variety and, you know, like um, Premiere or whatever. And um, so we accomplished what we tried to do and it worked. Wow. And um at that point, I think Johnny really believed in the project. Um, I think that Tommy, 
Tommy was on board early and, mm -hmm. and like super enthusiastic and, and helpful. Um, possibly because we wanted to like feature him because nobody really knew, you know, that he was yeah. critical, you know, to the, to the creation of the of band and the sound. Right. Um, yeah, so at that point we were able to uh, get an agent, uh, um, a lawyer, and do things above board and make deals with the Ramones. And once we made deals with the Ramones, we were able to raise, you know, significant amount of money through pre-sales mm. worldwide to pay for the rights of all that. And ultimately that's, yeah, that's how, how it came together. So it took, I don't know, maybe a couple of years to, you know, polish it, finish it, and mix it. And, for Dolby sound and all that mm. stuff. Oh, uh, right. And we hooked up with a, um, God, what was the theatrical people? But they were great. They have such great movies too. Shit, I can't remember right now. Mm -hmm. But um, we got on PBS. Oh, wow. uh, Susan Sarandon introduced and said my name, which was pretty wild. <laughs> That's she had amazing. no idea who this Jim Fields was. So, but. <laughs> Kind of I invited her to this podcast recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can get into some of the wild the, uh, name droppy things that happen, which is kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then we, we ended up also, you know, do, doing all the um, big uh, film festivals like in Berlin. Oh, wow. Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, I forget that one. That's like the big doc festival. Uh, hot dogs, hot dogs, right? Okay, hot dogs, and some others. I don't, I don't remember. I was wondering about the the, the distribution history, particularly about this movie, because it's it is a very underground documentary. Which, as I was watching it, surprised me because I mean, it it is such a you know, Ramones are such a beloved band. You got some really cool people to participate in this, like Blondie. Oh yeah, right. That was they were that was great. fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they were fun. Wonderful. They were fun people. Uh, uh, Chris and Debbie. Like I know them, but I don't. <laughs> that was a fun. That was a fun one because we went had to get them at a show down in like Virginia or something like that. It was the B fifty twos and them. Oh wow! Both of whose bands we love, right? Mm -hmm. So that was just kind of cool. I didn't get yeah. to talk to the B fifty twos. I wish I had. Oh, that's too bad. Um, yeah, one of my favorite bands. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so that's pretty much where it happened. We had um, really insane screenings in LA where the celebrity, the fun celebrity stuff happened. Oh yeah, um, red carpet. <laughs> oh God, we had one, oh Tribeca. There was a red carpet and you had to oh. walk the red carpet. So there's like famous people walking before us and everybody's nice. like clicking, clicking and, and, and <laughs> hey, hey, come here. So then we go and dead silence. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, I forgot what I did, but I was like, come on guys, come on, come on. You know who Where are the flash bulbs? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so they got in the spirit and started taking that's pictures fantastic. For their, just to just to that's a joke. I mean one of those they're they I was gonna say I wonder if they're like, you know, so if they can find them on Google or something like that. <laughs> no, I did. They're, they're, they're oh, there. Good. They're like on Getty and stuff like that. Nice. But, That's um, awesome. But, you know, nobody used them, I'm sure. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and then we had some uh, stressful but fun screenings in L.A. There was one time where 
And if this is too name droppy, uh, you can cut it out or I can just <laughs> look like a dick. But um, we had this one screening we really didn't want to have to do. And that was Johnny was ill. So his close friend, Nick Cage, wanted to have a private screening at CAA, which is like a talent agency in, in Santa Monica somewhere. And, um, and it was gonna be all these famous people there and we had to go and we didn't want to because <laughs> it was awkward, yeah. you know, and intimidating. And we were dreading it. And <laughs> we were all like, Ugh. I was like, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to go, you go. It's like, well, if you're not going to go, I'm not going to go, you know? <laughs> right. And so um, I should also bring in John Gramati, his brother, who also worked with us on mm. this film. He, he and I basically edited the film. Wow. Um, and they're, they're, both of them are like best friends from high school. And um, yeah, so we, we, we finally show up and I think I'm wearing a Ramon, a, a t-shirt we made for the movie. That's the Ramones album, but it says Ramones the movie with a quote of Johnny. I can go get it. I think mm, I have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a rags by this point. <laughs> and uh, we made a lot of them and we paid for them. And so I'm standing in there and there's like major director, Wes Anderson and Talia Shire and all the Coppolas and not, not the father, but- um, mm-hmm. But like Sophia and- Sophia, yeah and all these movie stars and rock stars and whatnot. And there's Nicholas Cage and the sort of like the director's chair looking like <laughs> lording it over. And um, there was some drama with his ex, Lisa Marie, because I think they had just- Oh yeah, I forgot they dated. Breakup and um, Adrian Brody brought her in and she was kind of, I won't say, she might've been sobbing. She looked really oh, distressed. Wow. So he was like, it's okay, it's okay. And I was like, oh, oh this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody knew who the hell we were. And so, which was great because um, Nick Cage called, he was like, I was like, yes. And he's like, water. So I went and got him a water. He's like, he thinks I'm like a waiter. This is oh great. I could drop my pants and nobody's going to know. <laughs> you know, like. They don't care. They don't. Yep. I'm never going to see these people again. Right. I could just piss in public. And they, you know, it's like, <laughs> they'll forget five seconds later. So then we right. felt free. And um, so we sat through the movie. Um, I don't think at this time we started watching the movies anymore. We just would stand outside because it's <laughs> like, I can't, we can't watch this again. Yeah. And afterwards, it was really fun because we felt free. Like nobody would remember us two seconds later. So we got to talk to, you know, Wes Anderson. And That's Steve so Coppola, cool. And they were all like awesome and sweet and mm. interesting. And, um, Michael gushed, Michael and John gushed over Talia Shire because, you know, that <laughs> Italian-American sort oh, of yeah. connection that mm-hmm. they, they felt. Um, and I didn't talk to her, but, and then I ran into an old friend, a good friend from high school who had become like a successful music writer. Oh, wow. So she happened to be at this thing. And um, she was giving me all this gossip and she's like, Scientologist, Scientologist, Scientologist. I was like, no way, no way. Him Scientologist? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're everywhere. Yeah, so I like ran up to Anthony Cadis and was like, hey, I'm a real fan and I hope you like the m- movie. And he just looked at me like, <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> was, like, was he wow. clothed? <laughs> yeah, he was clothed. Oh, good. Just <laughs> like I don't know what was going on there, but I it was wow. my fault. I was trying to just talk to every famous person I could, <laughs> just for the fun of it. And oh, then yeah. there was like a party of some sort somewhere, and we we didn't. We were like, well, we're not going to that, so we just went to In and Out Burger. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was actually going to go back to the editing for a second, because when, when you mentioned that um, you worked so hard on the editing, I was going to ask, do you remember like kind of around how much footage you ended up having before, like when you, when you were finished with filming and before you started the editing process around how much you were working with? Cause I, I would think it'd probably be pretty significant. I could be wrong, yeah. but it, yeah, it was massive. It was, yeah. um, I don't know, 500 hours. Wow. So I'm guessing. I mean, the tape, I still have the original tapes because back then it wasn't digital. It was, um, mm. it was DV, mini DVs. Okay. Yep. So mm -hmm. we shot an SD and mini DV and in a 16.9 format. Um, but there were no HD cameras back then that anybody could afford. I, I ended up buying a Canon which back in that day was like the most expensive, coolest prosumer camera for like eight, ten thousand dollars on a credit card. I only just paid that oh, off man. about two years ago. Oh my god! All gosh, my debts wow. from the movie, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was. It was not only. I'd say it's about four hundred hours of our footage, and then I don't know how much of archival mm. and. Uh, it was a lot and like yeah. hunting down like unknown archival stuff like that dd talking about um yeah we got these speakers now and oh, yeah. yeah they're really loud <laughs> and that was from an obscure movie we found short we found out about and we licensed that from the guy that's um, a, that's amazing well, danny fields was also hugely helpful and so was um okay. uh what's your name that the other photographer Oh yeah, um, the one. Yeah, she was in it a little bit. Yeah, I, my my memory for names is bad, but yeah. Um, and Danny Fields, was, I, I'm assuming, is no relation to you. No, no, no relation. Okay, yeah. He's he was, their first he manager for the for the listeners, in case they're not sure. Yeah, and he also uh, did he manage the doors. Yes, yeah, he yeah. did say that, and and there was one other one too. You mentioned I can't think of. And he was just yet. sort of in the scene with Warhol and whatnot at Max's Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Way cooler than I am. Um, <laughs> and he was he was freaking hilarious. Like oh, yeah. way out there character. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, he would tell us everything and anything. We had to be discreet. Like we can't put that in. No, we can't. Like, <laughs> that was incredibly juicy, but that's really. Like too much. <laughs> yeah, that might be a little too, too much. Um, He's there, somebody made a movie of him as well. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, he's such a great character. He yeah. was only in it in a handful of scenes, but yeah, you could t you could tell that he was really vibrant. Yeah, because he was probably only associated with them, you know, in the early days. Because mm -hmm. yeah, he was like, oh, I think right after the Phil Spector thing, if I if I remember they the timeline him. correctly, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It could couldn't couldn't get Phil Spector on on, on camera, huh? <laughs> we tried. We we tried. Oh, really? Those, okay. Those two sort of LA type guys, those brothers, 
they're like his acolytes or something. They're close with Phil, were. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't remember how we thought this, but there was a lot of anxiety about him having a private detective like mm -hmm. follow us or he's really, as you know, was incredibly insane and paranoid. Yeah. So he was keeping tabs on us. So, but we weren't able to seal the deal. Oh, that's too bad. That, that, would, have, that would have been something. But yeah, there's a lot of great anecdotes about him that were included in the movie. So it is kind of like he's there, but. Right, right. Yeah, in all but, his glory. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, there was just so many lunatics. Like, uh, <laughs> I could just go on and on involved in this thing. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. If ever consider putting it in book form. You know, I never thought of that. Yeah, I, I just was it's thinking not a bad that idea. Is, yeah. Something, yeah. Something to think about. I might be too lazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, on a personal note, I know you have a, a history with the Ramones and their music and whatnot. This movie, in a way, was, I would say, kind of revelatory for me because the Ramones were always a band that kind of eluded me a little bit and, and as a young person. Especially like I was a lot of friends with with people or I was friends with a lot of people who were in the punk scene and things like that. But um, musically speaking, I, I mean, I, I was a kid who was I was raised on the Beatles, ABBA, you know, that kind of, you know, the Bee Gees, that kind of thing. So when I was young and I would see pictures of them, it just they seeing what they look like. They always felt like off puttingly aggressive to me. And I, I was always like, oh, no, that's that's not for me. But, you know exploring their albums recently kind of you know getting ready to watch this the first time and then again for this like they really were, were very eclectic very diverse very um you know adventurous in their music even though they were you know the godfathers of punk quote unquote and that label fits but i think there's a lot more to them than just that there might be just kind of a limiting genre label for them in my opinion and that was you know this gave me kind of the impetus to, to discover that about them yeah, I mean, I, I, that was part of the reason the objective of the film was mm -hmm. to show, you know, people who aren't interested or not familiar, mm -hmm. you know, this music is accessible, but also making it a, an engaging drama so that mm -hmm. they don't know that they're learning. People, audiences don't know quite that they're learning about this music. Um, so we felt really strongly about opening their... Uh, fan base maybe i don't i don't probably didn't work but um you know but it 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 did bring it to critics and stuff like that to write about it that that wouldn't have you know they were sort of uh, you know they were past their heyday so mm. there wasn't a lot of attention being paid to them as they say in the film as well and yeah. um yeah i mean you're much much younger i mean i'm almost 60 so I grew up with it, you know, with the original punk yeah. stuff. I mean, I was really little, but I just happened to be in that place and time. Mm -hmm. um, so they were just like, like you were introduced to Ab or something. I mean, I was really into the Beatles and I was mm -hmm. looking for my music. And then I heard them, the Buzzcocks, mm -hmm. the Tenders, Elvis Costello, B-52s, Gang of Four. Mm -hmm on and on it goes. Um, and that was just like, oh, this is my music. Yeah. Um, and 
I wasn't like super punk or anything. I just like this. And the funny yeah. thing is like, we, we had friends who played in bands in high school and they'd play at CBs. And, oh. um, and it wasn't like, wow, CBs. It's just like, that's, that's a place you can get into play. And so <laughs> when I was really young, I mean, CBs was gross, but <laughs> when, <laughs> when they're closing it, they're like, hey, keep it open. I'm like, it's over and the place sucked. You know, while I was sort of in the formative years of listening to this music, uh, I'd go to see my friends' bands and they would serve me booze without, you know, in a way that didn't scare me of being caught. Um, I was like, oh. So I kind of thought of the place as like, oh, I can drink here without being caught. That was kind of the extent. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool. (laughs) That was the extent of it. And uh, I don't know, do we put Hilly in in the movie? Zena? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Just for just for a, a brief second, he's in there. Yeah. Yes. But he's and he, but he's mentioned pretty frequently. Yeah. Yeah. He's quite. He was quite a character. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know that they 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 talked about. I think it, I want to say it was Joey who was talking about how they were trying to push back from Hilly. Hilly being the um for listeners, he being the owner of um, CBGBs. They were really trying to push back against, like they started charging more for tickets. They started um, deliberately, you know, going against his wishes. And yeah, yeah, kind of funny. Well, it's incredible that all that stuff just cropped up organically. Oh, Talking Heads too. They were a big thing. Oh yeah, and television, yeah. Television. television, and um, Heartbreakers. Mm-hmm. Patty Smith, I think, as well was was mentioned. I don't think we pursued her because mm. we kind of were of the mind that like we don't we're not looking for famous people. We're just looking to tell mm-hmm. a story. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of times where we were forced to find a famous person to put, you know, just by the money people. So mm-hmm. Rick. Um, the guy with a beard. The big oh, Rick beard. Rubin. Yeah. Rick Rubin. I think he's the first person you see in the film, actually. Yeah, that was remember. kind of forced on us, but it worked. And and he, I mean, it's not like he wasn't a nice guy. Uh, he filmed it himself. He, he, I think oh. he contacted us and said, I want to be in the movie and I want to say something. I said, okay. So he, and I think maybe Johnny or somebody was like, yeah, please include him. And we're like, oh, it's just because he's going to put him in. <laughs> But you know, it wasn't it wasn't bad. So yeah. we're happy to include it. Yeah, it's probably they probably were interested in including some kind of montage of, of famous musicians extolling the influence and impact of the Ramones. That's probably yeah. a good lead off. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we just needed people who could really tell the story more yeah. than famous face. Yeah. An- another character who 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 popped up, whose name popped up a lot in the movie who would have been, I, and I don't really know too much about her outside of what was in the fight. I don't even know if she's still around, but, um, but is Connie, <laughs> who was Dee Dee's girlfriend. Yeah, she was, I think she had died by the time okay. we had, she was gone by the time we, we filmed, yeah. Yeah, she came yeah, off was, as a, a pretty destructive, self-destructive person. Yeah, I never met her, but yeah, I'm kind of possibly glad that <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to deal with that. Um, yeah. Good stories, though. <laughs> yeah, she's the subject of some of the more interesting uh, anecdotes in the film. <laughs> yeah, with Dee Dee. Yeah. yeah. Stabbed him in the ass. Yep. Oh, you know who else was really helpful was, um, no, that was, he was, he was something else. Um, Legs, Legs <laughs> McNeil. Oh, he was, yeah. 
He and, and John Holmstrom, mm-hmm. both uh, the founders of Punk Magazine. Yes. They were, they were really helpful and, uh, you know, pretty much with us the whole way. So That's cool. Yeah, they seemed like nice guys in, in the movie. I was actually a fan of John before the Ramones because the thing that drew me to the Ramones, it was in my sister's... Um, Rockets to Russia was in my sister's albums mm-hmm. and I would just go through her albums looking for music. <laughs> She's older. Mm-hmm. And then there was Rockets to Russia and I just liked the cartoons. I thought the cartoons were great. And those are John's cartoons. Oh yeah. Um, yep. And then I put the music on. I was like, Oh, this is perfect music for the cartoons. It was like the other way around. Yeah. And then eventually I was like, Oh, it's great music just to listen to. Yeah. So and Joey's mom, Charlotte, was was helpful. Mickey was helpful. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> not. Depending on the There's day, probably. Mr. X. <laughs> <laughs> he might as well have been. Uh, but although he was like face to face, he was always really nice. Mm. Um, I think he was, yeah, he, he had his own situation going on, as I said earlier. So yeah. I think he was super sensitive about stuff. I know we talked about him a little bit already, but the, for whatever reason, the, the member of the band that I felt like I was most drawn to or the most compelled to watch throughout the whole movie was probably Dee Dee. Yeah, I just found him right? the most, yeah, for some reason, I don't, I, I don't know if it's just, he, he came off as very, um, he actually was, was, was pretty articulate and pretty, um, and pretty open. Yeah, I mean, Michael knew him too, so he did, those interviews. I mean, I filmed every, almost everything, pr- pretty much everything. I really didn't know what I was doing, which is why I kind of shitty, but I felt like. I, punk, I wouldn't have been know? able to tell. Yeah, <laughs> good point. I mean, now now I, you know, I film and all that stuff, but that was the first time. And we just couldn't hire, afford to hire anybody. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dee Dee was always interesting. Um, and he'd always say stuff that would just be like, what? Or, or just like, oh my God, what a great story. What a great line. We never knew what kind of Didi we're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd always sort of dread having to deal with them. And uh, sometimes you got good Didi, sometimes you got bad Didi. Mostly we got good Didi. There was one time he was enraged at Johnny for something. He was just... <laughs> just bile, you know, it was kind of scary. Like, are we going to wow. get this interview or is he just going to get himself worked up into a, <laughs> a frightening rage? Yeah, he was just like saying, you know, oh, Johnny, with, here's where I'm going to get sued. You know, Johnny with this Nazi stuff and his Nazi pro- bigot. And you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, that's terrible. Hmm. I mean, I presume that probably has to do with his... um. I, I know he has some very specific political views, which we won't get into, but. <laughs> oh, Johnny? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he, he'd be MAGA for sure. Yeah. 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 He, he kind of shocked when he said, uh, God bless George Bush, President Bush, <laughs> in the Rock and Roll. You could just feel like. A, yeah. Yeah. He's not the only one. I mean, not in the Ramones. There's a lot of yeah. closet right wing people. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Hollywood, the music business. I, I mean, I really didn't care because. I was being I'm selfish it's like I need to get the story <laughs> I, I need access yeah and so if you're going to show me uh, a painting of Hitler I'm going to be oh that's nice yeah <laughs> right absolutely <laughs> yeah. great oh I wanted to say we, we called 
you probably won't know this reference. We call Dee Dee Rocket uh, punk rock beaver because there used to be a show that before I was born, there was a sitcom, like, you know, typical 50s sitcom in black and white. And there was this guy named Beaver who just kind of, you know, just kind of <laughs> talked like that. He was, and that's like, like Beaver he, Cleaver? Like yeah, Beaver, Beaver Cleaver. Okay. So yeah. he, it was, it's kind of like how he was, but like kind of punk rock and scary. I can absolutely see that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I was just you know, Oh my God, that also reminds me. I'm sorry, just all these stories. No, please, this is fantastic. We were, tra- <laughs> we were traveling with him, his wife, Barbara, uh, Marky, his wife, whose name I forgot, but you know, she, she was really nice and, mm-hmm. and cool. And um, they were performing as The Remains. Um, oh, wow. Doing Ramon songs. And Barbara was playing guitar in the band as well. And it was a nightmare. But there was one night where <laughs> they had this like tour manager who was like totally coked up and like really all over the fucking place. And I'm just like, it's late at night and with all my camera and I'm just rolling and rolling. And I'm like, please make this stop. <laughs> and I got some great footage of the performances, mm. which we'd love to release, but there's a music issue there. Yeah. It's really good. And, but things, because of the coked up guy and some other things, and they weren't getting the money they thought they were going to get. So they were gotten this big conflict with the, the venue management. Mm. And this is the first time it wasn't Didi's fault. So he was feeling pretty good. I just want to play. I don't care about the money. It's not me. You know, really playing it up because for the first time, probably it wasn't him. (laughs) He's got to own that. I just want to (laughs) play. You know, that's a great impression. That was like, that was spot on. (laughs) Well done. That was um, another person I wanted to ask you about interviewing. Who's a bit of a legend is Seymour Stein. Yeah, that that was a cool that was a cool guy to have him on. Yeah, that was great. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, we knew some salacious rumors, (laughs) and you know, we were kind of toying with the idea of whether we're going to go there. And then he gave us an interesting talk before we start. He's like, you know, you know me, I know you, um, you know my reach and we're trying to get the film out. We understand, right? And we're like, yes, we understand. This, <laughs> this question has been answered and it is no. <laughs> <laughs> And, it, you know, ultimately, I don't think we would have gone there anyway, because it's just mm-hmm. salacious rumors and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. That was probably half the fun of, of making this film, I would imagine, is having the insider scoop. <laughs> like, nobody else knows this but me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No? No, you didn't. I, it was just such hard work, and you're just, yeah. You're, yeah, it's like, I don't care. I mean, sometimes I'd be entertained, like with Danny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Who would who who was the one who said all those salacious rumors to oh, us on okay. camera? Which is why we were like, hmm, should we? Um, 
he's he's kind of an unreliable narrator, Danny. But mm. but oh man. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you one more story. Okay, and I think I don't think you'll be upset by me saying this, but okay. I was the one who who dealt with Danny because he had such he was a fantastic photographer and he documented everything and we're like made a deal with him to use as much as we wanted for a certain amount of money, which was really uh, great of him to, to agree to do that. And so I was often going through his pictures at his house um, and doing interviews at his house with Michael. But every time he went there, he would like, no matter what time of the day, he would like answer the door and he's like in a bathrobe. It looks like he'd been at some sex party and he's like, oh, come in. <laughs> and they're like, okay. And so one day, one of us had to go and I guess do something with the photos at his house or pick up some discs. And we were all fighting about who's going to have to go. <laughs> and they're like, it's your turn. It's my turn. And the reason we don't, it's just because it's like, it looks like, you know, just Plato's retreat had happened in his, his apartment. A little uncomfortable. You know? right. <laughs> it's just a little weird. And he's, and he's very like, and he kind of likes to, I feel like, kind of test you like, oh, you know, like how uncomfortable I'm going to make you straight person. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so Johnny Gramaya said something like, I don't want to go to his house because it always smells like coming bananas. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> so I show up at his house and he answers, you know, with a, like an open bathrobe and he's like, yeah, come in have a seat and I just sit there and he goes off to do something and out of the bedroom walks this young hustler in in like little tiny briefs and he's probably 18 or something I don't know oh and he's God. just staring at me with this look and I'm like hey how you doing <laughs> and he's just looking at me like this and he's big um you know he's like totally ripped right okay and he doesn't say anything. And then Danny comes in. He's like, oh, do you have a hundred dollars? I was like, sure, sure. I'll get a hundred dollars. So I go out to the bank. I get a hundred dollars and he gives it to the guy. And the guy. Oh, goes, my God. Oh, my <laughs> he God. He doesn't care. <laughs> Danny, that's Danny. He like, he wow. doesn't care. Does not care. <laughs> and probably loved that I was uncomfortable. Oh yeah, I'm sure he was milking it. <laughs> That's amazing. It yeah. it that reminds me of the whole segment of the of the movie that talks about the 53rd and 3rd. Um with the, you know the background of the song and Oh, yeah. Didi was so upset that we went there. I was wondering about that cuz he seemed when when it was mentioned he seemed a little bit like, well, you know, I just I don't want people to think differently of me or something. Like he was, you know, he was tap dancing around it. Uh, yeah, something about like he made it up. It could have been made up, and yeah, you know, yeah, mm -hmm. stuff like that, <laughs> which is fair it. enough. I mean, I think it worked because it could be true. It was more about the perception of the song and him. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it just and it also made me wonder, like, if somebody, if a punk band today were to write a song like that, how would it be received? You know, because it yeah. kind of has that, like, oh, I'm not a sissy. Well. That wouldn't really fly today, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that brings me back to what you said about them intimidating you 
by their look. And, yeah. and that, that, as you know, in the film was a bit of a problem for them, especially when the Sex Pistols made punk rock like really scary because yeah. the Ramones music was like punk Beach Boys. You know, you listen totally. to it now and it's, it's totally. really tame. Yeah, it's um, like it's like '50s malt shop music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just bubblegum music, mm -hmm. and uh, for the most part, great bubblegum music, great oh, yeah. lyrics, and, and um, but uh, it's funny that you know, like I, I don't know, if it was in the film. I think it was where I guess they were in the Roundhouse in London, and Johnny Rotten was afraid they were going to beat him up. Oh yeah, our yeah. said that. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, Arturo was helpful too. Arturo was was good. He's dead too. They're all dead. Is he really? Oh wow. He it's, died of cancer. It, wow, it's unbelievable that yeah, I was gonna right? I was gonna mention that that it, it's it makes this whole movie weirdly poignant in in that not long after it was completed they kind of all started to pass away. Yeah, there was one time we did uh, Joe Strummer in England in London you know the interview and he died like a couple of days later wow joey had already died he died a couple of days later and we we're on our way to shoot debbie and we were like we thought we were like bad omens we bring death to rock stars <laughs> so the grim like, reapers we, are coming <laughs> yeah should we should we should we warn debbie <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is crazy. Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, Tommy. Ugh, that was, and, oh, and I know. Arturo. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, so I didn't even nice. know about Arturo. Yeah. I mean, it, like 10 years later. Yeah. He also have cancer. I mean, what, what were they eating? They said they like Cracker Barrel because it was the healthiest, like when they were on the road. So they ate Cracker Barrel, Cracker Barrel. I'm just having a hard time envisioning the four remotes sitting there at a Cracker Barrel eating it. <laughs> <laughs> such a weird image absolutely <laughs> yeah i like cracker barrel now because of that <laughs> right yeah gosh i haven't been to cracker barrel probably since i was like 12 <laughs> i've never even heard of it i went like a couple of years ago and it's like oh this is really good <laughs> like, yeah yeah <laughs> i'm gonna have to go now this summer just to you know be like yeah this is a ramones eight here <laughs> <laughs> hmm. so interestingly like, we have we have a few minutes left i wanted to um Ask because I know the movie right now. So for, for people who are listening, um, I can't recommend this movie highly enough. Um, I, I'm going to put the link to it um, in the show notes so that people can access it, access it if they want to watch it. You absolutely accomplished your mission. Like myself, who's very, very much a novice when it comes to their moans, I, I thought it was fantastically well put together. Um, oh, thanks. Oh, absolutely. You're very welcome. Is there a history of the, of the movie being distributed at all on DVD or anything like that? Or is, is that? Well, yeah, this is anyway? the, yeah, actually, this goes back a little bit to the politics and being oh. over the barrel, having them having us over the barrel. When we finally made our final deals with them, they got all the DVD rights. And back then, that was the money making stuff. We got digital mm -hmm. and TV. Yeah, digital and TV worldwide, but you know we didn't make any money from worldwide. I mean, to make mm. up for our own expenses, not even close. Right. So um, they made a good chunk of change from the DVDs. So I think they did pretty well. But that's the only way we we're going to get it out. I mean, it was like yeah. a labor of love, the cliche. So yeah, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We just wanted it out. We're terrible business men. <laughs> um, 
we got digital and we had some talks with an agent connecting us with Netflix. But then Mickey and their new agent, um, that's who it was, it was the new agent, it was Mr. X. Oh, okay. David something. <laughs> he was really, really out to get us, it was awful. Oh, geez. So they, when they heard about the Netflix thing, or, or maybe they didn't, maybe it was a coincidence, they sued us. And they sent us a letter like, cease and desist, you can't show this film anywhere. So I called the agent, I was like, we just got this letter. And they're like, okay, we don't wanna to touch this. And then, you know, their, their case was completely bogus. So we had to pay an entertainment lawyer to like put it to bed. And that was the end of the digital distribution. That's crazy. It's not, it's not entirely their fault because um, the, the, stream, the streaming companies aren't very interested in old documentaries. Mm. So it wasn't entirely because of that. Maybe it was, I don't know, but I, mm -hmm. it was, so that's why I put it for free on Vimeo. Okay. Yeah. That surprised me in the sense, cause I know like when I, when I browse Amazon prime, they, they tend to have a lot of like the older documentaries on there. That may be like the only one where I see that, but yeah, I, I would, I, I could see where like we're in like a Netflix would want like 2021, you know, what's the newest one, but yeah. That's what, that's what I was told. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, you know, yeah. a lot of filmmakers told me that. So. Oh, okay. No, that makes sense. But I, I appreciate you having done that. Cause I mean, I, it's really the only way to see it at this point. It's cool that PBS, um, had it at one point though. Yeah. Yeah. It was on, cool. uh, their show they it's called independent lens. So mm -hmm. they show like an indie film every week. Okay. And, and not to bring up like your, your competition quote unquote, but, um, you, you mentioned, I didn't realize that there was another documentary as well that you said that you had mentioned at the beginning that was kind of like that there was oh, either in the works or yeah, nothing nothing happened yeah, okay. with that other other project yeah it and just... the re yeah and the reason I, I i bring that up is because um i know there's so many you know hundreds and thousands of ramones fans that would absolutely just gobble this film up and, and would, would love to see it. And so I'm just using that as an encouragement to say, you know, like uh, it, this might be the only place you're really going to get a thorough documentary, if, if, you know, a thorough document of their story in all its <laughs> warts and all. <laughs> um, warts and all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so we I, dug deep. Yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. just glad that we, we were able to capture them mm -hmm. and, you know, we really, loved their music and felt it was important to get it out to a larger audience, mm -hmm. you know, and part of that was the warts because mm -hmm. that's sort of fueled their lives and their, and the Ramones. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I, I very strongly encourage people to check it out, even though, I mean, it's, you know, it's about 18 years old now, or I guess four, 14 to 18 ish, you know, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's really the only place you're going to find, you know, a comprehensive story about them. And, and it's really, really well made, really, really engaging, really. Um, I, it had me on a roller coaster. Like I, you know, like I said, I didn't know that much about them. And so really it was, you, you accomplished your goal of, of op at least opening up the fan base this far. So um, cool. cool. Yeah. Jim, I just want to thank you so, so much for um, giving me your time to come on here and, and talk about this experience and, and talk about your work and everything like that. It's been really fun and I can't thank you enough for doing this. So before we go, um, 
Jim, can you tell us where we can find you out in the world of social media if people would like to follow you or give you a shout um, out? I'm at Jimmy Two Cans. That's Jimmy number two cans. Um, at, um, you know, that's Twitter. Uh, it's at Jim Fields on Instagram. And Facebook, I never look at. So yeah, I don't either. I haven't had one of those in years. <laughs> That's for old people, anyway, right? Isn't that what they yeah, say? Yeah, and yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> not this old person. Well, <laughs> you don't count, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and and for me, you can follow me on my personal Twitter handle at Josh F six one eight, or at the podcast handle at Rock Movies Pod. Send me an email at movies at rockpod at gmail.com and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. And um, always happy to hear from you. And thanks again, Jim, so much. I will be talking to you very soon. And for all, right. all the listeners, make sure you um, this experience and, and talk about your work and everything like that. It's been really fun. And, um, and I can't thank you enough for doing this for me. Yeah, this is really fun. And just give me a heads up when you're going to publish it. Um, yeah, so I can check it out. And yeah, I will let you know actually right now. Um, so we're looking at August. I usually do Wednesday. I usually do like every other Wednesday. So we're probably going to be looking at maybe the fourth, August fourth. Great, cool. Yep. Looking forward to it. All right, cool. Okay. If, that, if that changes, I'll I'll just let you know and and we'll take it from there. So um, so before we go, um, Jim. Can you tell us where we can find you out in the world of social media if people would like to follow you or give you a shout um, out? I'm at Jimmy Two Cans. That's Jimmy number two cans. Um, at, um, you know, that's Twitter. Uh, it's at Jim Fields on Instagram. And Facebook, I never look at. So. Yeah, I don't need. I haven't had one of those in years. <laughs> that's for old people anyway, right? Isn't that what they yeah, say? Now? And, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Not this old person. Well, <laughs> you don't count, Jim. <laughs> and and for me, you can follow me on my personal Twitter handle at Josh F six one eight or at the podcast handle at Rock Movies Pod. Send me an email at movies at rockpod at gmail.com and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. And um, always happy to hear from you. And thanks again, Jim, so much. I will be talking to you very soon. And for all, right. all the listeners, make sure you um, check out this movie. You're going to love it. Okay. Thanks so much. Yep. Thank yeah. you.